Hello everyone, Carrie Beck here with Homeschool Coffee Break, where we help you stop the overwhelm so you can take an actual coffee break. We're in the middle of a series on gratitude and thankfulness because as we recorded, it is November. It is sort of the month that we all think about, oh, we need to be thankful. So we are going to continue on. If you've never subscribed to our podcast, would you please click subscribe wherever you are listening to this so we can get this out to more people? If you have, would you just share this podcast with one person? That would mean the world to me. And we'd love for you to leave a five-star review as well. Last week, we talked about gratitude and how it can change the way you think. We gave I gave lots of very specific ways, activities that you can integrate into your family to encourage gratitude both in you as the parent and in your children. We gave a lot of free resources for you to be able to go get that as well. Today, what I want to do is take a step back into history and go to the first Thanksgiving. I've talked about this before, but hopefully we're going to share a few little new things as well. But I do want to go through and talk about what was the first Thanksgiving like? And should we even be looking back at that? You know, history has been changed a lot in the last few years. When I was looking and researching, I was looking at some of these books that I'm going to share with you. And so I've got books for young kids that I'm going to talk to you about. And I have books for teenagers and adults. But as I look at it and knowing where the world is today, it's amazing to think why the pilgrims left England, went to Amsterdam, went to England, and headed over here, and how different our country is today. I'm not going to get on any kind of political soapbox. I have my own opinions about all of that, but I will tell you, they were very strong in their faith, and that is something I would truly encourage you to really Look at your faith and be strong in it and go to God and be grateful for what he has done for each one of us that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And we just want to thank him for that. Now, as we do, we need to thank him for the heritage that we have. We had people that founded the United States on Christian values. And so let's talk about that. Really, the pilgrims were um, started, they were in England. They did not, they felt like they were not getting the religious freedom that they wanted, so they left. They went to Holland, Amsterdam area in 1608, but then they didn't want their kids to be raised in that society, so they pretty much gave up everything that they had there and decided they were, a lot of them were from well-to-do families and decided they were going to go to the new world. They did stop along the way in England to then leave for the new world. And they wrote something and made a compact within themselves called the Mayflower Compact. This is all about for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. It was a difficult trip. Let me just show you a few books that might be helpful to your kids in going through this. One is this on the Mayflower. I share this every single year, but it actually has pictures of kids um, on the Mayflower. And that is what I think is so cool. And the kids can really relate to that. I have something called the Mayflower Munch. Actually, this past weekend, I was with my, or by the time you listen to it, it's been a few weekends. Um, I was with my two and four-year-old uh, granddaughter. And every time she saw this piece of paper, she wanted to make the Mayflower Munch. And I said, oh, we've got other activities because we were doing Joseph and the coat of many colors and we were making a rainbow coat cookie. 
Anyway, that's another story. Mayflower Munch, I have a printable that you can go grab, look in the show notes. It will be exactly where you can do it. You could read this book on the Mayflower and then make your Mayflower Munch. And for the journey on the Mayflower for hardtack was crackers. Pilgrims fished and when they got over there. And so you put goldfish in this munch. Squanto uses seeds and fruit and teaches them how to grow crops. You can use raisins. There's all sorts of things in here. And you make a fun little snack that the kids can enjoy. And you can review the story of the um, the ride over. There are two other books that I think are excellent for young kids. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened during that. We're on young kids, but we'll get to older kids. The first one is Samuel Eaton's Day, and the second one is Sarah Morton's Day. Both of these are a day once they get over here, and it actually goes through and shows what the kids, like they have to get up, and it shows the different clothes that they have to put on. Um, when I read this to my other two grandkids, they just thought it was hilarious, some of the clothes that they had to put on, and that they had to roll their bedding up and put it in the corner. Um, it And it talks a little bit about actually... Um, being on the Mayflower. But let's talk about this. We've got the story of the pilgrims, this one, and it does start in Amsterdam. And it goes all the way over to here and things are going well and ends up with several little short stories about kids that were living in the new world. And this is an, I would say it's a reader that's probably about second or third grade on their own, or you could read it to your kids as well. But what I want to tell you about is when they landed here in the New World, many were sick and had died on the boat. There was no one here to welcome them. There was nothing for them to stay in. There was no hotel, not even a meeting hall from back in the day that would be there for them. According to Rush Limbaugh, they said in, in Bradford, William Bradford, it's where they get a lot of this information from his journals. It was a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. There were no friends to greet them. There were no houses to shelter them. There were no inns in which they could refresh themselves. If you want to read more of William Bradford's journal, I would really encourage you. This is great for teenagers of Plymouth Plantation. And it is the story of Plymouth from 1608 to 1650. And this would be a great resource for your older kids to really dive into what's going on. Even though it was bad, they still were thankful. They focused on God's provisions no matter what, through the good times and the hard times. They did not know probably that neuropathways change and all this stuff when you are grateful. They just knew that's what God wanted them to do. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is, be thankful. They knew this. They were coming over to set up a city on the hill, a city that would be a light to the world. They wanted to get away from all the darkness in England and Amsterdam areas and start something new. They wanted to raise their kids, not sheltered, but they wanted to do something new. They didn't quite know everything that was going to happen. So they land over here in 1620. It is a bleak and harsh winter. About two or three people died a day. Squanto was here. Squanto, I, I have a book on Squanto and I can't find it. But um, William, he helped them to be able to grow 
food, to show them how to, to um, develop crops and grow their crops so that they could do this. If you want to know a little bit more about the Indians, this Tampanins, Tampanins Day, this is similar, and it is a story in the life of um, an in Indian back at that time period, and it shows what life was like during that time period. That would be a great place to go. Squanto helped, and I don't remember how many years, but he did end up passing away, and William Bradford, who was the governor of the um, colony here, or of the little village, was by his bedside. And here is what Squanto said to William Bradford. This is what an influence the pilgrims had on the Indians. And uh, Squanto says, oh, and Squanto knew English. That was one of the reasons that he could help them. I don't, I don't remember how you read the story. You can find out more about that, but he did know English. And he told William Bradford, please pray for me, governor, that I may go to the Englishman's God in heaven. And then he breathed his last in November, 1622. And he was gone up to the earth, to the heavenly place. By that time, they had built a meeting hall to give them some safety, and they had started to grow some crops. In that time, in between him passing away and them landing, 1621, William Bradford, which is what this is all about, and I don't know that I showed you this, Landing of the Pilgrims is another book that's really great for your upper elementary, junior high kids to read. William Bradford served 30 years as governor of Plymouth. He was an excellent leader. There were very few. There are, if you go read the historical records, you are not going to read very many complaints about William Bradford. I believe that's because he was a man of God, a man who was always seeking God. They voted him governor every single year. He had great communication and relationship skills with the Indians and with him. In 1621, they ended up having a three-day feast. Why? To thank God because of all their bountiful harvest. It was awesome. This book about three young pilgrims talks about this and takes you through that time that they actually have a feast as well. And it's from a kid's eye view. This is another book, Homes in the Wilderness. It says A Pilgrim's Journey of Plymouth Plantation. This is written by Margaret Wise Brown, who's written many of the golden books. If you know the little kids, golden books, and there's a rabbit one, there's a baby one. But it's a pretty simple read. It would be great to read as a family can't find the beginning of a day. There you go. Here's like November 29th and what's happened. And so each day you could actually read. Here's November 30th. And then just read it on a daily basis as if you were reading what they were writing each day from the day before. That would be a great point. But as they had this feast, they thanked God for the harvest, but they also knew their survival was only because of God Almighty. And so this is truly a feast and a festival to say thank you to God. So let's talk about some of these things and how you could integrate this into your homeschool or into your family. One thing, if you really want to dive into the historical Thanksgiving feast, you could get the book, The Thanksgiving Primer. And it is going to tell you exactly how you can have a historical Thanksgiving, how you could dress up, the order of the church service. There are songs, Psalm 23 and Psalm 100. It tells you what kinds of foods. The plants they ate were parsnips, carrots, turnips, onions, cabbages, melons, radishes, skirts, beets, and lettuce. Talks about native plants there. Uh, 
This was, they even give you the bill of fare of what they ate, olives, black and green cheese, a bread of Indian corn, meaning cornbread, um, different kinds of bread, a fish, uh, roast fowl, Jerusalem artichokes, onions, pompons, uh, and a prune tart at the end, and then wine, beer, and cider as well. So, and there are actually some recipes in here that you could follow from that day. That would be one practical way that you could focus on being grateful, but then follow it from a historical standpoint. Another thing, we did not ever do this, but I think it's a great idea. Many of you already do it, is the five kernels of corn legend. It said that in the third year in 1622, they wanted the kids, they wanted the families, everyone to be thankful. So on November 29th, they did that. And I said, it was really hard to find food that year. No one died of starvation, but there were other types of deaths and hardships. And so what they did is the legend says each person had five kernels of corn. And for each kernel of corn, they said one thing that they were thankful for. You could do this as well. You could do Go get some popcorn and let them pick that and they can put it in their little, I don't know, you could get a little one of those cupcake holders for each person if you wanted to. Or you could get candy corn. They would really enjoy that. Read the legend. The legend says this. The first kernel reminds us of the autumn beauty all around us. So you may have everyone say something that they think is beautiful. The second kernel reminds us of our love for one another, who is someone that you can be thankful for. Oh, I can't read that one. Let me read this other one. The third kernel reminds us of God's love and care for us and tells something about God. The fourth kernel reminds us of all our friends, especially our Indian brothers. Who's a friend that you can say thank you for? And the fifth kernel reminds us that we are free people. What is something about your freedom that you could say thank you to God for? That would be something really good. Now, you could just do that every year if you wanted to around the Thanksgiving table. Another thing I heard later, and I really like this, and that is to keep a keepsake and to have a note card. And each each person in the family that year writes down their five things and you put the name and the, the year on it. And then at the end, you've got a whole set of note cards for each person. And when your child you know, leaves the house, you can get that to them or you can keep them for each of the following Thanksgivings, but date each card and then go ahead and do it. You know, some kids are not, some years they're not going to be into it, but that's okay. That just reminds you of what that year was. And mom and dad, you just keep persevering and just stay in charge. I think this is a faith activity, a way that we can all trust God in the good times and the bad times and how we can learn gratitude. Another thing, you know, we've got feasting at Thanksgiving. We have feasting at Christmas. What goes on in between those two things? And this is where we're headed. Advent. Advent is a time for us to reflect. It is a time to fast. It is a time to take inner inventory of what is going on so that we are prepared to celebrate Jesus Christ's birth and anticipate his second arrival. We're, we're remembering his first arrival. We're anticipating his second one. So what did you do during Thanksgiving week? Maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you could have a fast. You may not fast from all foods. But maybe as a family, you fast from screens and sweets. That would be something that your kids could actually do. Read about what fasting is from the Bible with your kids and why we fast. And when we are hungry, it will remind us to turn to God in time to pray. When I fast um, 
I will tell you, I usually fast for a certain person. Sometimes I fast for me and another person. I will fast for a, a reason. And every time during the day I get hungry, I'm like, oh, yes, God, I need to pray right now. And I pray for that person. It's not a long, drawn-out prayer. It's usually a minute or less. And I pray something for that person. It... um. So those are some things, and we can do that with our kids as well. When they want um, a piece of candy, say, we're fasting, we're having that for three days. And so since you want that, stop and let's just pray to God right now and pray about whatever it is your family's choosing to pray for that week. The hunger reminds us that God takes care of us, and it is time to pray and trust in him. And then feasting on Thursday and Thanksgiving and have this great feast and be thankful for all that God has done for us. That would be a wonderful way to teach your kids what fasting and feasting is all about. Now, those are just a few ideas. We will have links to all of these resources in the show notes. And so please feel free to go and grab each one of those. And just so you can actually pick and choose what works best for you. And like I said, if you have not subscribed, please do. Or if you've never shared this podcast with someone, please do that as well. I think it's really important that we model thankfulness. We model gratitude. We model it in the here and now today. But we also go back in history and look at people that were good examples of being grateful, of being thankful. And that can go back in American history. We can also go all the way back to the Bible and be able to look at people that we're actually thankful for. If you've not picked up our free Thanksgiving Bible story, I have it right here, a sort of sample of it. And it's going to start with the Greek word eucharisteo. And it's going to break it down into you, good and well, and charis, which is gracious benefit. Then for each, there are several pages with lots of verses. And for each verse that you would read, you could do one of these a day. Who is giving thanks? For whom or for what? What kind of category of thanks are they offering? And then what lesson can we learn and put into practice today? That would be a great resource for you to get started with if you're having a hard time um, thinking about being thankful, or if your kids, especially older kids, older kids should be able to do this completely on their own, but I would recommend doing it as a family. Maybe that would be your um, devotion each day in thanks in November. Hey, thanks so much for spending time with me. I am Carrie Beck with Homeschool Coffee Break. We'll talk to you next time.